Today on CityCast Denver. With a primary election coming up next Tuesday, we've been talking all week about which kind of Democrat is going to represent central Denver. But honestly, most of the craziness in Colorado is on the Republican ballot. And it's got many unaffiliated voters, like me, thinking about casting a spoiler vote. So we brought in a true blue Democratic insider to give this GOP primary the know-your-enemy treatment. And yeah, this one got a little explicit. Oh, and stick around until the end, because CityCast CEO David Plotz will be joining us for a conversation about journalism entrepreneurship, brought to you by CU Boulder. Today is Friday, June 24th, 2022. I'm Paul Caroli, and this is CityCast Denver. Politics is messy. That's what we're here for. It's How close too should messy I be? Is this good? About a fist distance away. Distance? Yeah. Okay. A fistance. A fistance. Um, shall we? Yeah, let's do it. Welcome back to CityCast Denver, the show about the city where weed is cheaper than gas. <laughs> wow, Paul. Is I that true? I figured this out this morning. It literally is. Last week, I paid, now, this stupidly, I went to a gas station on Colorado Boulevard, paid five fifteen a gallon. Mm-hmm. Five fifteen. I got a pre-roll joint earlier that day for five bucks. It's a screaming deal. I guess it's not by volume, though. No, I mean... Like, how much is a gallon of weed? <laughs> yeah, you can't really... Well, I was thinking like, about this, too, because <laughs> my friendly neighborhood strip club, Dandy Dance, who's, mm-hmm. sci- who's marquee, I, like, admire every day. Um, they have like come in and drink a beer instead of driving because it's cheaper. It's like that no effect song. Yes. You drink, uh, you drive, you spill. Yes. Yeah. You might spill your drink. Right. All right. Well, let's get into it because we're already kind of we've been having fun here this morning. Um, Bree's here, of course. I'm Bree. here, of course. <laughs> Sorry, Welcome, I'm Bree. here. We've been talking politics all week on I the show. Know. I'm so over it, Paul. Primaries on Tuesday. Only a few more days left. Can't wait for it to be over. Have you voted? No sitting on the counter i am actually was waiting for this conversation because i'm not sure what to do because it does my vote matter are you unaffiliated or i thought i was i like went back and forth with this i like unregistered and registered and it was at the point before when you had to be registered with a party to primary right and then they changed it and i never changed it back but honestly i'm not super stoked with the democratic party's work and i wish i was unaffiliated but i do have a democratic ballot and that's why i'm holding on to it because is it worth it i mean mine's sitting on my counter and there are no competitive races on it i live in lakewood yeah exactly yeah but my wife's name is on it so i'm gonna vote for her and turn it in totally well you might have guessed who he is already by that brief (laughs) personal detail about his counter and his wife um our guest today is my favorite person to talk to about colorado politics uh he's a progressive voice in the denver post's opinion pages at least for now (laughs) (laughs) dang paul i mean he's not wrong (laughs) give me a chance he's a co-host of the excellent get more smarter podcast he's a political insider guy let's go with that sure insider insider guy i've been called an operative which i just think is like either like pretentious or badass and i can't decide which i feel like you should probably get paid more if they're going to call you an operative i'm not i don't know anything about your income i'm just saying that seems like a heavy title to have if you're not like you know what i mean a superhero i think it's like a used to be mm. yeah that's like an x title oh yeah former democratic operative current i'm always interested dad. how people describe us you know yeah dad. yeah totally that's why i identify i'm like well it's the only I'm, title uh, that matters to me yeah. yeah well there is one more we do have to mention and this this is a disclosure he 
Ian Silverius here. He's also the <laughs> husband name to yet. presumptive Democratic candidate for Congress, Brittany Pedersen. What district is it? Seven? You pronounced both of our names correctly, which is like a thing that never happens. So first of all, high five on that. And second of all, yes, wow. it's the 7th Congressional District. Cool. Cool, man. Thanks. Good job, Paul. She hey. gets Peterson. I get Silver the second. I mean, it's all over the place. The you did. Second. You got it in like two out of two, man. Thank you. Hey, this is my job. I'm a pro. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, Ian, we wanted to have you on because of this whole election. And, you know, as, as we talked about earlier, a lot of Democrats in Colorado and around Denver are getting ballots where there's no choices on them. Right. There's literally only one candidate, but there's a lot of really interesting choices on the Republican ballot right now. That's one way of putting it. Uh, <laughs> I kind of look at it like, I mean, I'm a, a very obvious partisan, right? Like that, I worked for Democrats, mm -hmm. I worked for the state Democratic Party, like that's who I am, what I've done for a long time. It looks like one party, yeah, sure, the primary may be boring in many parts of the state, but mm -hmm. it kind of looks like a party that has their shit together versus a party that does not. And that's kind of how I'm looking at this primary right now. Yeah. Yeah, me too. I are mean, you saying that the Dems have their shit together? On like a, are we prepared to weather what is likely to be a very, very bad midterm election, especially when compared with our opponents? Yeah. Oh. I feel like you? I just learned about politics yesterday. <laughs> I don't know why my mind is getting blown all of a sudden. It's all delivery, Brie. You know I this guess. <laughs> where, Brie, where are you at with this GOP primary? Are, have you been paying attention to any of this? Any of these characters? These people? like I try, and then I just like read one quote from one of them, and I'm like, are you a real person? <laughs> <laughs> and who are you fooling? Because... Whoever your base is, I'm offended for them that you're you're treating them this way. So that's how I feel about the GOP in Colorado. Well, we're going to figure it out today. We're going to wade into this mess. We're going to take a deep breath, <sighs> okay. and then we're going to go into a few of the big races. I thought it would be important to at least hit all of the races that are on Denver voters' ballots. So we're going to hit the uh, the GOP primary for governor and then uh, the Senate seat, Michael Bennett's Senate seat is up for grabs in the fall and secretary of state, which is the craziest <laughs> one somehow. Um, the most normal race we have this year is the state treasurer's race. Okay. Totally well, normal election. If we need a break, maybe in a few minutes, we can talk about that for a second and have just <laughs> like a cool a political period. political cleanser. <laughs> yeah. What's his favorite kind of gum? Oh, okay. <laughs> Big red. Okay. Yeah. Uh-huh. Big red. <laughs> Which tastes gross after like three minutes of chewing it, but go ahead. I mean, who eats Big Red anymore? That's the thing you get at a five and dime store, which don't exist. Big Red's fine. It's good gum. Okay. It's a good flavor. Do you have the th like the song stuck in your head right now, though? I do. I don't know what song. I'm not going to sing. Does Big Red have a song? Yeah, they had like a really Oh, I'm, I only know the Juicy Fruit song. Um, we got to get into this. We're going to talk about, I think we should start with Governor first, yep. the big one. Um, Jared Polis has been our governor for a while. A lot of people here seem to like him. Seems like kind of a shoe in to re, you know, get re-election. But I don't know. What do you think? Is that the case yeah. here, Ian? I mean, look, like current polling agrees with you, right? So when I was at Progress Now, uh, we worked at the polling firm called Global Strategy Group to do this quarterly survey called the Mountaineer. And it backs up what you're saying here. Um, Jared Politz not only has pretty good favorability rating, so you ask the voters, do you have a favorable or unfavorable rating of this politician? 53% um, of Coloradans said favorable and 38% said unfavorable with 9% saying they don't know. So that's a 15 point, what we call net favorability rating. So 15% more people rated him 
favorably than unfavorably. Hmm. Um, and his job performance is even better than that, weirdly enough. So they might not like the guy, but they like the job he's doing, which is interesting. Polis has a um, 56% hmm. job approval rating. That's versus his 53% personal approval rating. So it's three points higher. Um, and then when you look at the uh, Polis versus a generic Republican, or you match him up to either Heidi Ganahl or Greg Lopez, who are the two Republican hmm. potential nominees for governor, he wipes the floor with both of them. Uh, he beats Ganahl by 17 points. He beats uh, Lopez by 14 points. So he's fine. I mean, it's a long campaign. Um, True. It's early still. These Republicans yeah. are relatively undefined, mostly because it seems like they forgot to campaign until pretty recently. Like, also, are, what are they campaigning on? I mean, that might be part of the problem is they just showed up. Did you listen to Ryan Warner's excellent interview with both of them I over have last not. week? All right, so it's worth your time. Um, he sat down with Ganal and Lopez for 40 minutes each. And it seemed like they were just avoiding answering questions the entire time. That's what I've gotten from coverage, from reading about these two candidates, is that they just are not answering the questions. I mean, my theory is like, they forgot to campaign, they realized that the primary is next Tuesday, and now they can, oh, uh, well, if we go on CPR, at least people on the radio will hear us, right? But then they went on there and I, I can't, for the life of me, conceive of a voter who was undecided who then listened to both of those interviews and goes, now I got it. Yeah. It was like a content-free experience. <laughs> Can I just say, like, what voters uh, for in the Republican primary in Colorado is listening to the NPR affiliates interview? The with, unaffiliated ones. The real. So this is actually I, a... I think Real? so. Yeah. Well, so so CPR has a, an amazing share. They have a huge listenership in the state. They're one of the most successful public radio stations in the country. But if you're an unaffiliated voter and you get a Republican ballot and you're listening to these two interviews, I think more unaffiliated voters will vote in the Republican primary than the Democratic oh. primary. I can't oh, say yeah, for, for sure, sure who they'll choose. That's what the establishment wants you to think, right? They want you to think Heidi Ganahl is a moderate and Greg Lopez is some kind of right winger. But the truth is the daylight between them on issues is pretty narrow. Like I can't right now off the top of my head, having listened to both of them talk, give you a substantial policy difference between the two of them, mostly because they don't really tend to take stances. Yeah, I was yeah. like, did Greg Lopez have any policies? Because his entire the Yeah, his entire issues page on his website was plagiarized. It's amazing stuff. I mean it really is. It's wonderful. I it blows again, this is why I asked Paul this the other day. I was like, is Greg Lopez a real person? Like <laughs> he's been on the ballot like a lot. What do you think of that method? So I think of the consistently running and losing. Mm. I think about there's some candidates here in Denver when we look at the mayor's race who run every sure. term, right? Yeah. Every time. And it, I don't understand it other than like it's a protest yeah. to bring your issues to light. I have yet to see someone successfully badger their way into office, right? Like lose five times and then win. I've never seen that happen. Okay. I don't think it has. Um, but I think it's different for everybody. I, Greg Lopez was the mayor of Parker in his 20s. He's not in his 20s anymore. This was a I long know, it was time like ago. 30 years ago. Yeah. And like he, Parker was a different place. He's never been in the state legislature. Like he's never run for any other office. He mm -hmm. just thinks he should be governor over and over. And the voters repeatedly say no, thank you. And he goes, but what about now? <laughs> I've just, that hmm. just seems like so brutal to do to yourself over and over again. You know, I wouldn't. I don't recommend it. <laughs> I just wondered as, a, as an, a person that looks at strategy for politicians, is this an effective strategy? So like, to be clear, like there are people who have run and lost and then run and won. And that sort of thing happens. But like the Greg Lopez banging your head against the wall thing for two decades, I haven't seen that work. Okay. 
Well, thank you. <laughs> I yeah, just needed some you. clarification. Um, I don't want to bang my head against the wall when I see that happening. <laughs> so then we got to talk about Heidi Ganahl a little bit because um, she's the other Republican candidate for this nomination. And I mean, I knew her beforehand as a CU regent and uh, the Camp Bow Wow company. She founded and ran that for a long time. Actually kind of a sweet story the way she founded that. It was like always her and her husband's dream to open a doggy daycare and she got married to this person and then this person like tragically died two years into their marriage oh that's really and so sad. she then carried out the dream alone oh, i'm sorry heidi regardless of her political affiliations that's really a yeah. bummer so what else is is important to know about heidi ganahl ian uh well as a cu regent she um defended the hiring of john eastman who is now one of the like superstars of the january 6th committee uh mm. if you don't know john eastman he was the visiting scholar of conservative thought at the university of colorado's bruce d benson center for the study of western civilization i'm pretty sure i got that 100 correct okay the the bruce benson center basically exists to like bring right wingers to boulder to trigger the libs that is like the entire stated mission of the organization in so many words not those ones very cool yeah uh <laughs> they bring charlie kirk and you know other abhorrent human beings to come and, and yell at liberals, I guess. Um, We're paying to go to school there. <laughs> I, the whole like thing is... Like taunting and fucking with the people that pay your bills. It's wild shit. And the taxpayers. I mean, like... The right, and the taxpayers. Good so point. I'm pretty sure the Benson Center does not have taxpayer funding. It's its own independent thing. But Heidi Ganahl actually is a donor to that organization. She has published on Very their donor cool. lists. Oh. And then when Eastman got in, some emails were recently released that were... Um, Corrid, they were uh, open records requested. Regent Ganahl said something like, well, John Eastman's our new conservative scholar, and he's really riling people up right now. And there were several attempts that she made to meet with him um, when he became this visiting scholar, but she actually never got the chance to meet him in person. So now she's saying, well, I never met the guy. But she tried to have lunch with him a few times. This is like in correspondence. Mm -hmm. And then, of course, he's the lawyer that sat down with Trump in the Oval Office and at whatever hotel that was when January 6th was happening, he was on the stage during the, quote, Save America rally on January 6th that prompted the deadly insurrection at the Capitol. And he's the one who came up with the whole Mike Pence can steal the election, yeah. alternative slate of electors thing. And now finally, I mean, like 14 months of trying to get the press to pay any attention to this, quite frankly, finally, now that the January 6th commission is happening and the primary is upon us, they're going, oh, this guy played a pretty major role in it. He was at CU. And how did he get there? Heidi. I mean, she had something to do with it. But does she, the question is her, though. Like, does she, where does she stand on the January 6th stuff? Does she, she won't believe answer in the big any lie? questions like that. I mean, like, she she does this, this wonderful trick that maybe a consultant told her, which is, uh, you have to say Joe Biden is the president. That's what she says. Well, Joe Biden is the president. And it's like, uh -huh. okay, how did he get right. there? Did he win the election? And she just won't answer the question. So, I mean, this is a real pickle for Republicans. The vast majority of Coloradans know that Joe Biden legitimately won the election, especially here, like it or not, by 13 and a half points. Like this was not close in Colorado, right? He won a huge, obvious victory in Colorado, as did John Hickenlooper over Cory mm -hmm. Gardner. There were not very many close races in 2020 here. Mm. Do you think that the Colorado Republicans... Like, is that really the question at the heart of this election for them? Is that like, is it the big lie? Is that the big issue? I think a lot of primary voters are going to make, are going to vote based on whether or not their candidate 
has accepted the big lie. I, I, I hmm. think that's true. I think there are other candidates that are probably, or excuse me, other voters who are voting on a, a host of other issues, right? Abortion, uh, LGBTQ rights, or lack thereof, I suppose, which is now apparently becoming the mainstream position of the Republican Party again, which is super awful. Um, but yeah. yeah, I think the big lie is a huge driver of, of Republican politics right now. Is Lopez a, a lie guy? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, he he, okay. he comes I mean, right out and says it, as does uh, Ron Hanks, who we'll get into in a minute here, I think. Um, we're going to take a quick break and we'll be back in a second to talk about Ron Hanks. <laughs> All right, we're back and we're talking about our next race on the GOP uh, Colorado primary slate. Uh, this one is the race to take on Michael Bennett for another six years in the Senate. Um, Where's got- Michael Bennett approval rating wise? How is he popular? Uh, I can tell you. So Michael Bennett currently has a 41% favorability rating, according to the latest Rocky Mountaineer, and a 31% unfavorability rating with 28% saying they don't know. So that's plus 10. That's good. If you're an mm. incumbent running for re-election, you double digit favorability net approval rating is a very good thing. And then when you test him against his potential opponents, um, you start to see some interesting things as well. If you do Michael Bennett versus Ron Hanks, uh, the sort of Ron Hanks was at January 6th. He's one of the more conservative yeah. members of the state legislature. He threatened to choke the House Minority Leader at least once. Um, or versus Joe O'Day, Bennett beats both of them by 13 points. It's- Can you imagine a woman threatening to choke somebody? I mean, that's just like, just like, imagine it or like I in just, real life? I just think <laughs> about these things that these men get away with and I'm like, it's like a women it's like get a in trouble for wearing the wrong. Hillary item. got in trouble for wearing the wrong color thing. You're I mean, absolutely so did Obama, right. But you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I just when I hear that stuff, I'm like, the privilege in being able to threaten somebody with violence, physical violence, and still have your job, like in front of reporters, and amazing. Then, not just that, but then become the nominee for U.S. Senate via caucus, beating <laughs> out lot. four other people and being the only one to get on the ballot. So yeah, you're on to something there. Okay, sorry, go ahead. No, you're fine. So Bennett beats Hanks, according to this poll, 50 to 37, and he beats uh, O'Day 49 to 36. So a statistical like, tie between the two Republicans, mm-hmm. but Bennett clobbers both of them by 13 points. And it's early. These candidates are undefined. They're also not doing a super great job campaigning. Um, and it's not gonna be a super good year to be a Democrat anywhere, but Colorado seems to be holding up much better than many other you know, swing states. Interesting. I feel like this is the race where the two Republicans really are quite different. That's, sure. that's been my impression. Yeah. Though. Like really? there's, there's Hanks is like clearly the, the lie guy wing nut. Right. But O'Day, much more of the, you know, reasonable, not so much dipping into this like irrational wing this these crazy beliefs He's that's like, certainly what they want you to think and and o'day has said not just joe biden is president but joe biden won the election and i don't like yeah. it like so i credit for that for sure but the point <laughs> for telling the truth thank you for telling the truth sure 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 but the it, it's kind of hard to do as a republican candidate yeah, so true. again he gets like a couple points on my book but where he loses the there. points and then goes into the red for me both of them are a vote for Mitch McConnell for majority leader. That's the difference. Both of them mm. are a vote for Republican nominees to the U.S. Supreme Court. This is like the Ugh. thing with Cory Gardner, right? He was supposed to be this moderate, reasonable guy <laughs> who yeah. was going to work across the aisle and not be partisan. He put three Trump judges on the Supreme Court who are now going to overturn Roe versus Wade. 
right? And and in the Denver Post editorial board's endorsement of Gardner in 2014, this is a thing that every Democratic operative in the state of Colorado has seared into our uh -huh. brains forever. Contrary to Udall's tedious refrain, Gardner poses no threat to abortion rights. That was obviously not right. Yeah. So, I mean, I mean, that's just kind of baked into this race, though, stuff like that. Like they'd vote with their caucus. These are going to be junior senators. They're not going to have any clout in Congress. The U.S. Senate is 50-50 right now. There's 50 Republicans and 50 Democrats. Kamala Harris is the tiebreaker. We can't really get very much done because of the filibuster. And that's another conversation. But if they get a 51 seat majority and it's because Colorado sent hmm. a Republican to the U.S. Senate, Mitch McConnell's in charge. Everything. And then if Biden or whoever the Democratic nominee is loses in in 2024, get ready for more conservative judges with lifetime appointments who will chip away at abortion rights, who will chip away at LGBTQ plus rights, who will chip away at hmm. true religious freedom by allowing yeah. taxpayer money to go toward religious education, like what just happened in the main case the other day. Who do you think Bennett would rather face? I'm mean, going to think like Hanks would be obviously easier to beat, but I think Bennett wins both of these against both of these candidates. It's a question of like, does it turn into like a relatively expensive race or does the Republican National Committee just walk away from it if it's Hanks? I mean, I, I think that's mm. obvious. Um, and, and you know this, there are ads being flown around by Democratic groups that are saying, you know, Ron Hanks is too conservative for Colorado, pointing at his record, which is 100% anti-gun control, 100% anti-abortion, like yeah. big lie, all this stuff. Interesting. So the Democrats are spending in favor of Hanks. I wouldn't say in favor of. I'd say they're letting voters know who he is and what he believes. And Joe O'Day is trying to let voters know who he is and what he believes. But until pretty recently, he wasn't on the air with any substantial amount of money. And he was spending most of his time and his staff seemed to be spending most of their time like complaining about what was happening in this situation instead of like getting their guy out there and making an argument for his candidacy. I, I'm, I'm still not clear on where the Democrats are spending here. Are they they're trying to push Hanks down? Or they're trying to prop Hanks up or they're trying to push O'Day down or they're trying to prop O'Day up? I can't tell you what the folks who are funding those ads want. I don't know their intentionality, but it is not an uncommon tactic to try and get the least electable opponent for the general election nominated for the primary. That's why you're here. That is so helpful. <laughs> Thank you, Ian. That was great. That was exactly what I needed. And people are freaking out about it a little bit. But again, like this is only possible because the Republicans didn't have their act together. The party nominated Ron Hanks at the convention and nobody else. They had a choice between Ron Hanks and Deborah Flora and... Uh, and, and Gino Campana and, and, and Eli Bremer and a whole host of, of Republicans from all sorts of, of walks of life of the party. Ron Hanks is the only one who made the ballot through the assembly and convention. That means the party base supports him. That's not anybody's fault but theirs. Hmm. Yep, yep. Yep. I mean, they created this monster, this this like horrible big lie genie came out the bottle and now they're like, don't pay any attention to this thing that we let happen. Please vote for the guy that we want to the establishment wants you to vote for. And it's like, nah, y'all had plenty of opportunity to like stand up against Trump and stand up against the big lie. And none of you did. And that is why you're here right now. 
Well, I think we got to move on from this race. Um, we've been talking about the big lie the whole show so far in this race. It's we, we got the biggest liar of them all. <laughs> <I think>. <laughs> <laughs> That's really funny. At least, at least, in, I mean, right? This is. I mean, yeah, I mean, uh, sure. We, uh, have, we haven't talked about Tina Peters. We have to say who she is. She's the most recognizable Republican candidate for secretary of state, which is the role that administers our elections. Um, there's currently a Democrat in office, Jenna Griswold. So this this Republican primary is to decide who gets to take on Griswold in the fall. Um, but Peters has obviously garnered like national headlines for her hijinks this year. And um, Ian, can you briefly say who Tina Peters is? She's the indicted current Mesa County clerk who has been uh, prevented from overseeing the election that she is supposed to be overseeing as the Mesa County clerk and recorder. Mm -hmm. She allegedly, I think I have to say allegedly, um, made images and let unauthorized persons into the elections office to like make copies of the voting machines to give them to to a group of people called the Cyber Ninjas. I'm not making any of this up. Who then did like the My Pillow Guys symposium and said, "Ha, this is proof the election was stolen." And there are like a lot of people who are even in that little Cyber Ninjas group who said, "This doesn't say that at all," and we're out. So like that created a little fissure in the like big lie community. Wow. Have you been following the Tina Peters saga? Not a, not clearly close enough. She was indicted by a Republican DA, Dan Rubenstein, in, in Mesa County. She's under investigation by multiple other law enforcement agencies, including the FBI. And uh, her her co-worker, her deputy, I think, um, also was indicted on various charges. That just charges. makes her a renegade. That just makes her... I just Real love this shit. I love this shit so much because it's like Republicans are the party of law and order unless it's like rigging an election for Donald oh, Trump. Yeah, and then it's and then like, no, no, like... no, that's totally defensible. This is great stuff. Let's keep it up. They, they all just want to win. They just they just want to win. They care yeah, about you winning. win by getting the most votes. <laughs> and by not well, nominating well, they you, don't. Don't. counting the most votes. <laughs> I guess that's true, Paul. Jeez, um, and that's Tina Peters. And that's what she wants to do more of. Well, right? so she's in, a, she's... she's in a primary. So it's it's there's a three-way primary, actually. So two Republicans were nominated convention peters got top line so when you get the most votes at the convention you end up number one on the ballot and studies show that has a small but not insignificant effect on the overall election like top line vote uh, top mm -hmm. line candidates tend to do better than lower on the ballot candidates interestingly enough um so peters is first and there's this guy mike o'donnell who's second who's a big lie guy but he like seems to care mostly about like voter roles and business licensing fees and like he's not mm. He didn't like try to actively like steal an election or prove that an election was stolen, I guess, um, despite all the evidence. And then you have Pam Anderson, who was the county clerk in Jefferson County for a long time, um, who is sort of like widely regarded as like a, a bureaucrat, like somebody who just goes to work and does her job, which is like how most clerks and recorders operate yes. and certainly used to operate. But now if you're a Republican clerk, you have to be insane. Anderson, to her credit, has has said outright, no, the election was not stolen. Joe Biden won the election. Colorado's uh, elections are safe and secure. Um, but quite frankly, I'll just be honest, like having a Republican, even one that denounces the big lie near the secretary of state's office or in the seat scares me quite yeah. a bit because then they'll be influenced by people in that party, whether they believe it or not. Hmm. Yeah. There's no separation like there. The, like literally at this point, it's like there's one party that's pro-democracy, at least ostensibly, it's the Democratic Party. And there's one party that's like pro-authoritarianism or anti-democracy as Republican Party. And there's mountains of evidence to support this. And so the secretary of state 
you've said is the person that oversees the state's elections. Yeah, and like uh, and these people that don't believe in the last election's results are competing to win this race. I think it would be pretty shocking if Tina Peters did not end up as the nominee. I mean, if if maybe there's like a big lie split and really? like she loses some of her support to O'Donnell because she's kind of a little too high profile and maybe they don't like it that she like tried to kick a cop recently, stuff like that. That's what I was thinking it's, about. It's possible. That. That's crazy. But quite frankly, like no one is really campaigning in this area either. Mm. I mean, Pam Anderson now has some dark money group behind her that's kind of going after Secretary of State Jenna Griswold, a Democrat, and Tina Peters at the same time trying to hmm. pave the way for her election. But Pam Anderson's barely raised $100,000, which is like not enough money to win a competitive race for House District 6, for instance, right. let alone a statewide primary election for secretary of state and how is secretary griswold doing favorability wise right now we don't have numbers on her actually okay. um but the generic ballot which is like a pretty good barometer for down ticket races like the treasurer or secretary of state attorney general in colorado still favors democrats by quite a bit and i think it has a lot to do with the fact that Republic, like Dem people might not be in love with Joe Biden right now, and they might not be in love with Democrats, either like lefties who are like, you haven't done enough, or moderates who think they may have gone too far on social issues or whatever. Um, but at the same time, they look at the Republican Party and they go, but none of these people are remotely electable. And we can't send somebody to the US Senate who's gonna vote for Mitch McConnell. Like Colorado won't do that. Well, uh, I think we got to wrap up there. Ian Silveri, thank you so much for joining us and educating us and helping us get through this morass. Thanks for having me. <laughs> yeah, thanks for being here, Ian. We taught people how to be journalists, but not the business side. And that's not enough anymore. And so for people who want to do these things, they need to understand the business side of the industry. The following conversation is sponsored by the Master of Arts in Journalism Entrepreneurship at CU Boulder. Find out more at colorado.edu slash program slash M-A-J-E. Hi, I'm David Plott, CEO of CityCast. CU Boulder offers one of the most interesting and I would argue most useful journalism programs anywhere, a master's degree in journalism entrepreneurship. I'm fired up to talk about it today with Pat Ferrucci, who's Director of Graduate Studies for the Department of Journalism at CU Boulder. Pat, welcome to CityCast. Thanks, David. Happy to be here. So as someone who has spent my career straddling journalism and the business of journalism, I'm really excited to talk about this because I think it's really smart for CU Boulder to offer this kind of program. Can you start by telling us what is journalism entrepreneurship? It's how we see the, the industry going. 20 years ago, if you wanted to be a journalist, you finished your program and you got a job and like broadcast or print, and then you just spent your career doing that. But journalism isn't one thing anymore. And so our program kind of reflects that reality. There's all these different types of journalistic organizations that have popped up, a lot of them being small and kind of just one person or a few people. And so it's really about the business of journalism and how to create kind of a self-sustaining as best possible organization where you can kind of cover a specific niche or thing that is uh, what you want. Also, as a journalist in today's marketplace, you kind of have to be your own brand. So the program really teaches you how to figure out who you are as a journalist and market yourself. How long have you been offering this program? So we will be starting, I believe, our fourth year in the fall. We're seeing our first graduates last year. We have them in traditional media. We have one who just started at McSweeney's. We have one who's starting their own local high school sports 
website. So kind of across the board from everything from traditional paths to more entrepreneurial paths like we hope. Is the program online or in person? So it's online primarily, but if you're around here, most of the offerings are also in person and you could you can kind of do a hybrid. Being in the front range where there is this kind of entrepreneurial spirit, this kind of tech culture, I think gives people a leg up. Who do you think is the kind of student who's going to benefit from your master's in journalism entrepreneurship? We were really looking at people who are kind of in a mid-career stage who either are in journalism and kind of want that extra knowledge to be able to do their own thing, but also people in other areas. I think we're in a moment, right, where journalism is really important. And I think we're seeing a lot of students, both at the undergrad and graduate level, who really see how they can make a difference and need to make a difference, whether it's activism, whether it's sustainable journalism. And that's what we're looking for, those people who are passionate about doing something with journalism that might not be the traditional path. Pat, what goals do students have when they begin the master's program? Well, I think the main goal is that students want to do something specific. So for example, we have a student who is really interested in doing humorous feature stories about people in the tech and business industries. That's not something that you'll find in regular journalism necessarily. And so he's really trying to create his own brand and his own organization that just does this, really talks to disruptors in a kind of humorous way. And he seems to be doing well at it. Pat Ferrucci, thanks for joining me on CityCast Denver. Learn more about CU Boulder's Master's in Journalism Entrepreneurship at colorado.edu slash program slash M-A-J-E. Thanks so much, David. That's all for the week here on CityCast Denver. Our producers this week were me, Paul Caroli, and Lizzie Goldsmith. Bree is our host. Uh, Peyton Garcia writes our morning newsletter. Our music is by Los Mocochetes with additional mixing by Tyler Lindgren. If you haven't already, subscribe and rate the show five stars wherever you get your podcasts. Follow us on Twitter at CityCast Denver and tell a friend about us the next time you see him. You can sign up for our daily newsletter and learn more about us at denver.citycast.fm. I think I remember the Big Red theme song. Is it like the Make It Big Last? Big Red freshness lasts right through it. Yeah, Your fresh it. breath goes on and on while you chew it. Say goodbye a little longer. Make, make it, it last, last a little, little longer. longer with yeah. the breath long lasting freshness. With, with Big, Big Red. red. <laughs>